What's up, everybody? This is Marlins in-game host, Mike B., and you're listening to Fish Across the Pond, Marlins UK podcast with Peter Pratt. Cheers from the 305. Hello and welcome to episode 107 of Fish Across the Pond. It's a Marlins UK podcast and I am your host, Peter Pratt. Joining me this week, just one UK goat. That's all we have. Just one goat. No one else. Straight up. It's a two-man pod. That's probably the first time we've done this for a long time. So who is it? I will I will end the anticipation now. Rob Newell is here in the leadoff spot. Rob, how are we doing? I'm okay, Pete. Yeah, I'm Della cruising into September. Oh, baby, <laughs> he's always got a he's always got a line to get us juiced. So good to good to have you back, Rob. I know it's been a few weeks, and I know you've got loads going on in general in in you know the the home life and the work life. So great to talk. Um, no one can see this, but I can. Uh, Full City Connect is on. I believe it's a birthday present, mate. So um, yeah, you were treated there. It's looking flames, of course. It's the it's my favorite jersey. Oh, yeah, he's, he's got the signal. Big 4-0, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there you go. That must have been your main present, though, right? Uh, yeah, well, I've also got a hoodie as well. I've got, Did you? Uh, yeah, I've got more. I've got a, a ton of Marlins merch. So what else Love could it. I want for my 40th birthday, apart from actually being at Marlins Park and watching uh Miami against the Yankees but they lost on that day anyway so maybe it was a blessing in disguise that's right I, f- I forgot that the the original plans were that that you were going to be in Lone Depot for that Yankees series um to celebrate your, your 40th and obviously things haven't happened that way and what was actually the score that day I can't actually remember um I mean the, the, we got swept that that series if I recall so yeah, I think it was a frustrate. I'm going to have to look back now, but I think it was a a, a frustrating uh, loss again, probably <laughs> by one run in the ninth or tenth inning. You know, that's that's the way we seem to roll this year. Yeah. But uh, I, I tell you what, uh, if you said you got to spend your fortieth watching them lose against the Yankees, actually we lost three one. There we are. I found the game, mm-hmm. um, and uh, let, let's see. It was uh, an Aroldis Chapman save. Who got the runs for the Yankees? Oh, Gallo. Oh, it's probably the only time he has got any runs for the Yankees. Yeah, so there yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I'd, I, I'll go next year or the year year after. Yeah. When the Marlins are competitive, I think I prefer that as a, as a delayed 40th present. There you go. Sounds like a plan. Well, mate, me and you haven't spoken on the pod now for you know a good few weeks, and um, yeah, we haven't actually done one. We missed a week last week. Uh, there was a UK friendly on the Tuesday, which meant we were all but guzzling beers. I think on on Tuesday, so we thought it was probably right not to do the pod, which was was probably correct um, considering what happened on that game, where it was an absolute ninth inning meltdown. Uh, the Marlins, I think, went into that ninth inning there, leading 5-1, maybe 6-1, whatever it was, and somehow every reliever under the sun just shit the bed, and the Marlins got beat with a with a walk-off with Alfaro kicking the ball in, in left field, a wild throw, and Javi Baez losing an earring. I mean, that just kind of summed the game up. It was, it was insane. Anyway, we're going to go, you know, there's no need for us to dive into, you know, real game by game action i think let's just kind of focus on the big themes this is going to be a a real breezy uh pod for us buddy and for me 
going into September, I always felt, and this is what I want, really want to get your take on, mate, is, you know, there were some guys that we expected to see. And for me, number one on that list was Lewin Diaz. And so we're going to start there, mate. I'm, I'm absolutely shocked that Lewin Diaz is still in AAA. He got called up to that, actually, that game we're talking about, the Mets series, the doubleheader, which wasn't a doubleheader, but anyway, it was. Um, Lewin Diaz was the 27th guy for that game, uh, the second game, and then was optioned straight after. And, you know, he's continued to play. I mean, we understand about what's been going on. The roster's been erratic all year, but in September, when you've got a couple of extra spaces, what's going on with this Lewin Diaz situation? I'm a bit surprised because if it was Garrett Cooper was fit and Agriar's there, then you'd expect mm. um, it to be the case that Lewin Diaz would be the, the obvious choice. It is strange when you see someone like Joe Panic playing at first base um, and you think, well, hang on a minute, what's going on here? We, we've got someone who's just a natural fit. Um, just for, just to, to recap where Diaz has been this season in uh, at the Jumbo Shrimp in AAA, He's played 73 games, got 20 home runs, 51 RBIs. Um, his walk rate is, is quite low because that's the kind of guy he is, but his, his strikeouts aren't high mm-hmm. either. So he's a, he's a guy who likes to get it, the ball into play. And um, he's got an OPS of 850. And yes, yeah, so it's, it's, he's doing really, really well there. Um, and you would expect he now needs to give get his opportunity and we've said this time again about other players if you don't give them an extended run on the team then it's, it's not helpful but I can't quite work it out now they the, the infield is being sort of shunted around quite a bit you don't have John Bertie you've got Devin Marrero being called up and DFA'd sort of seem to be every other day <laughs> <laughs> he's been must be Devin Marrero must be the most DFA'd player of the year I just saw he's been DFA'd today actually so would that, would that make it the sixth time he or fifth time he's been DFA'd? Wow. It's, it's mad. So why would you not have some set, a settled player? D, Leo, we know the case of Isan Diaz and, and the third base situation out there with, with Brian Anderson's injury. Um, but even so, I, I I think he has to be called up for an extended run in, in this month. What have we got to lose? Nothing. We're not going mm. anywhere. Yeah. So um, I can't see the... The other thing that does bother me a little bit is they've done a bit of experimentation with, with playing Diaz outfield. And I do have a bit of a problem with that. When you have someone who is a really... You, you want Diaz to be as explosive as he has been in AAA. And the little sample that we've seen of him early in this season... You want the same thing. Let him play in his settled position. Mm. Um, you know, it is a case of where do you stick Aguilar? I know that's the that's that's the real crux of that that question, isn't it? Yeah, it um, is. But the other, just a final point on that. We still don't know whether there will be a DH next year. So you know, this question doesn't go away. What are you going to do? Be doing with those three first basemen? Rob, to be fair, you 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 bring up some interesting topics, and the one I think that you mentioned there that that. I think is really pertinent, just kind of thinking about Alfaro as well. So I'm going to get your take on Alfaro playing a lot of left fields in a sec, but the the funny thing about that is that they've gone, hey, if we take catching away, which has been a problem, what can Alfaro do offensively? That's basically the question that they've been asking and the answer that they're looking for. And actually, we have seen a bit of a tick up with Alfaro 
offensively once his, the catching has been relinquished. But I think the point you make there about Lewin is, is, is absolutely on the money because if all of a sudden you put Lewin out in left field away from his natural position, then he's having to think about left field more so than the normal. So all of a sudden the fielding, the mental effort in the field may be more. However, I did see, I did see what he was doing in left field for that one game. Was it in, in A? And I mean, he looked smooth. <laughs> I mean, he looked a lot smoother than Corey Dickerson out there. No doubt about it. Dickerson just looked like a walk-in, a walk-in error, to be honest. So, you know, maybe Lewin, he has the, maybe he does have the talent. We're just doing him a disservice. But I think the point you make though is you're going to bring him up. The important thing for Lewin Diaz is, can he hit? Can he hit at this level? And with that being the question, let's not confuse him by putting him out in left field at the same time and making him think, hey, can I field as well? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I, I'm, and in reality, we know Aguilar. We know what Aguilar is. We know he's a stud and he is what he is. But that riddle is solved. It's one of the only riddles that the Marlins have solved. And so it's time to bring up Lewin, have the conversation with Aguilar, and say, listen, your playing time is going to be a little bit restricted, or you may be playing a little bit in left, you know, third base or whatever. Aguilar's a team dude. He will do that because we need to know what Lewin is before we go into next year. And I'm just shocked that they're, you know, we're down to the, what, three weeks left and we still don't know. Do you think, do you think there's a factor there that Aguilar's after that RBI, you know, batting title? So it's um, for. No, the Marlins, though, there's probably an incentive in his contract. And so the Marlins probably want to you know, manage him out of that situation so he doesn't get there, but yeah, I, I don't know. But no, you're right. I mean, listen, Aguilar's a big part of the Marlins and this team and this clubhouse and everything. And, you know, him not being in the lineup will hurt, but the season's done. Aguilar needs to understand, and he, he will understand because he's a team guy, that Lewin Diaz needs three days a week at least starting right now. And he'll know that. I'm just shocked that the Marlins haven't done it. I truly am. It's just one of the most shocking things of, of the year. Um, you know, Joe Panic was starting there the other day. Nothing is Joe Panic. I mean, but Joe Panic shouldn't be on this roster next year. Like, he shouldn't be. Uh, I don't know who's going to be, but yeah, it's, it's a real head scratcher for me that in September we still have no Lewin Diaz playing half a week at least. Um, so we'll wait and see on that one. Um, what have you made about this Alfaro ex- experiment in left field, by the way? <laughs> he's he's done okay. He's made a couple of clangers where it's got gone over his head and he's mm. not kind of judged it right. But it's not very easy to judge it against it. Once you're in the warning track, it, it's very, very tough. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, and we have been quite fortunate to see some athletic players out there. So Monte Harrison may have struggled with the bat when he's come up, but you, you can't deny that he's, he's you know, a natural out in the outfield, really good athlete, knows where things are. And Alfaro isn't quite that. He's obviously an athletic guy. We know he's got very fast pace when he's running from, you know, to first base. Um, so that's absolutely fine, but it doesn't feel like, it's going to be a long-term solution anytime soon. I, I don't feel that having Alfaro to be able to play out in the outfield sounds like one of these temporary things where, you know, someone's gone down it does. Know, about half an hour before the game. Oh, we'll put Alfaro out there. He's got a little bit of experience of it. You know, it's the same thing, you know, you, you put John Bertie anywhere because he's got a bit of experience of playing. The guy's athletic and he can do it and that's fine. But who do you really want starting out 
in the outfield. Do you want a odd mix match of Alfaro, Garrett Cooper, um, and you know whoever in the centre, John Bertie, or do you you want an outfield which is whether they they are specialist outfielders and they're talented at their at their trade, mm. um, and this is the problem we I think the Marlins have got themselves into is that. Yes, they want the flexibility through athletes that can play anywhere. Yeah. But what that is, I think, is starting to confuse the conversation that they you've got, yeah, they can play anywhere, but it doesn't mean they're 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 at the MLB level playing. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think yeah. that's that's the issue. But again, the Marlins, and we're not the only ones, quite a few sort of hanging around in the NL want to know what's going on with the DH. Mm. Since we know, you know, if, if it's definitely not happening next year, then there are got to be some conversations of what happens with Lewin, Agliar, Cooper, because, you know, even with injuries, it still doesn't fit very well. Um, but I think that's part of the problem. But you see that I'd, I'd like to see Bryson Brigman come up as a shortstop. Um, uh, yeah. He's been playing. Been a lot of buzz. Like what's, I haven't seen, I don't know Brigman as a player. So, you know, you, you've seen, you've seen a lot more of him than I have for sure. So, you know, what kind of player is Brigman and, you know, what should we expect if we do see him? Compact, athletic. Um, he's, um, uh, you know, he's had 338 at-bats with only 58 strikeouts. Oh. He's not not somebody who strikes out at all. Um he can draw quite a lot of walks as well. He's not someone who's only hit five home runs and you're not going to see him hit, you know, that might translate to one or none at the MLB level. Um, but he's a constant hitter. He's got an, an ERA, uh, sorry, a batting average of, of 287 and 775 OPS, which is, you know, yeah. behind maybe. But he's played a, a long season. So he's, you know, his first proper long season in AAA and he's done it really, really well. And I'd like to see whether that can translate, but he's a compact player. He's athletic. Um, you know, he's um, normally really, really quick, good throw, um, very, very few errors. So um, I, I'd like to see him brought up, but they've, they've already brought Brian Miller up for a little bit. And there's all these kind One of, game. yeah, there's these cups of coffee as they call them don't really help. I think, I think you, it depends where they, they want to really, really go for next year. Mm. And I, I'd I'd really be hoping now that they'd be kind of saying, right, well, we're going to bring some of these guys up. Um, and these are the future. Devin Marrero isn't the future. Joe Panic isn't the future. Um, and just let them have a go. Yes, with Brigman, he's more of a shortstop, can play second base, can play third base as well. Mm. So you can switch him around. You know, that's that's where I think we should be this month. It, it just feels it's the right month to give a few guys a bit of a shot, like, you know, like it used to be. And, and clearly the changes, like historically, obviously, the rosters were, were they unlimited uh, historically, where you could basically have, you know, 15 extra guys or whatever. Um, now you only get two. So I guess that restricts the guys. But the reality is, you know, we, we've seen enough of pretty much most of the fringe guys you know, it, it should be Brigman season. And for me, it should be Monte Harrison season too, you know, like, but, you know, clearly I think Monte, you know, listen, there was obviously an incident in the locker room, him and Marte, you know, that's just part of sports, you know, people busting up. It is what it is. Monte's a, a lively character, but yeah, I get the sense that he was on the naughty step there. And I think, you know, maybe organizationally, they'll just look to move him on. But every time I see a Monte Harrison highlight, it's normally him doing 
insane work in the field or hitting the longest home run I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, you don't get the, hope, the highlights of the strikeouts, though, which there's probably a lot too, I guess. So, right? Yeah, that, that, that's a, that's an issue with 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 Monte, and um, the, the there is a bit of a form problem with him, where he clearly does need to. Uh, I I don't know whether it's a, an attitude thing or what it mm-hmm. might be, but he does. There it is. There is some inconsistency there. Now, and Alfaro, you know, over his last sort of 15 games has looked, you know, really, really good. You know, the stats-wise, just having a look, an average of 275, um, 12 RBIs. And so on that short sample size, are you kind of saying, oh, you know, that that is your kind of, uh, um, that, that is your solution. Uh, that, that, but it, it, we've, we've been in this situation before. It's, it's not where you want to be at all. Um, it's not. No, it really isn't. <laughs> but like, what are they trying to do though? Are they trying to like is this trying to find some value out of Alfaro? Like thinking, you know, is he gonna be viable as a trade option? Like a, a team's gonna see this and go, Oh, well, maybe there's something we can do without I mean, listen, Alfaro's got tons of tools. Like he is the mechanic. I called that earlier in the year, but he just can't piece it together and he's not consistent enough. So is that... I, I struggle with this conversation full stop because unless uh, you've got Real Muto or uh, you know, Sanchez or someone like that, you're never going to get somebody who's going to be a prolific bat. You're no. looking for the, the person who can work with the pitches and good location. And um, there is an issue with Alfaro passing balls. Mm-hmm. There's been a few and he's batting did really really drop off so did most so I, I don't if you want if you want to sort of improve the batting lineup from a power perspective and a consistency perspective um then i'm not sure find that you're not going to find it in a catcher anywhere unless um suddenly alex jackson switches on you know one of the other you know you, you get sort of uh, uh one of the other trades that that they've they've done um sort of switches on as well i don't know mm. um um i just try to find uh what was the guy's name they got from um henry that was it sorry that's what i was trying to get in my mind henry right Peyton henry if he suddenly kicks on but again he's probably going to need another year in 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 sort of double uh, a triple a yeah. um so um it doesn't make any sense to me that, it, that it's a conversation i think you wallach is gone um Sandy Leone clearly isn't going to be there for very much longer or maybe you just you select two out of the three and say the other one is is expendable I don't know and and sort of close the door on that catcher conversation and start to focus on things which are truly wrong which is the outfield which has been Mm. weakened and no one's really stepping up to it beyond Brinson's sort of flashpoint Uh, (laughs) oh boy that was fun (laughs) yeah it was good and amazing grand slam uh, and the and the and the other night where he you know he he got the win didn't he with another he did. know, fantastic home run you know off the foul pole that was absolutely brilliant beautiful um, great call by Glenn Geffner as well I mean Sev, Sev on the uh, on the broadcast to the TV broadcast but I I did yeah. really really enjoy the the Geff uh, call on that one too on Marlins radio it was it was uh, full of vigor uh, for sure and it, you know it was it was the perfect I mean in reality with that home run it was just pure luck in reality you know you could see that wasn't the type of swing he was looking for but you know just 
caught hold of one and went opposite field and hit the foul pole and you know there you go home run <laughs> yeah I, 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 and you know what if you're if you're someone like Bryce Harper or something like that these things happen all the time don't they, they do they're, they're they so do prolific so I, I don't I don't think it's an issue but the uh the, the things they do need to address I think they've done well with Lazardo. so I think the pitching next year I think we we kind of know where we are mm. um but we don't know where we are with the outfield at all we don't know what's going on with third base at all first base seems to be quite confusing so why add catcher as, as even a conversation is brian anderson i don't know he's had a poor season hasn't he the injuries have affected him and and it's quite yes. clear that when he's not there um i think i think he's on diaz pays very well at third base yeah he and, he, and he he did it uh, when i've watched the uh, jumbo shrimp he's been really good at third base you just can't hit though, Rob. Like, I mean, the hitting is just so bad. Like, it's unsustainable. Like, it, it really is. I think he's been on a run of, I mean, the amount of double plays with bases juice this week, there may have been three of them and everyone's just on it now and everyone's just on to Isan. For me, I, I look at Isan like Monte. They're in the same bracket of it's time for them to move on they will be better players elsewhere. You, they, you know, the fresh change, fresh organization thing, I think is needed. I'll always be a Diaz fan because I loved him in AAA that year and coming up and hitting that, the Grand Bomb and, you know, the story was immense. But for me, I just look at everything that's gone on with Isan and he needs to, to have a fresh start somewhere else. I think like Monte does too. And maybe like Sweet Lou does, you know, it's one of them. Thing is, I could see Lou, I could see Brince being a back of outfielder like this. You know, the glove's good. You know, he can play that. He can play the position, a fourth outfielder or fifth outfielder, or whatever. Brince could, but uh, yeah, I, don't I think that's tough. And, and just to wrap that conversation off about about Harrison, the 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 stat that I look at, and I, I've seen it with the Jumbo Shrimp this year, is that Brian mm-hmm. Miller. As a centre, you can play him centre, you can play him obviously uh, in left as well. He's got 30 stolen bases this year for the Jumbo Shrimp. Monte's got 18, which is decent as well, but Brian Miller's got more. Um, the batting average for Brian Miller was 242. Monte Harrison's 238. So it's not much in it at all, but even so, it's not high uh, for either. So both of them have a very, very similar OPS. Um, but it's the home runs with Monty Harrison, who's got more than Miller, which is 10 over two. But even so, when you take into account that Luis Diaz has got 20 and he's been the hot hitter, you do wonder, you say, well, that, that, that's not saying to me that, that Monte is the, is the next hitter that we're going to have. That's the centre field we have. The problem we'll always have is because we've had Marte, we've had Duval, you've had yeah. MLB level, top of their level hitters. Yeah. The first time we've had that since we had Stanton and, you know, Yelich and yep. uh, Azuna out there in the outfield. Yeah. Now we've lost them again. We realise what, you know, how damaging that is. Now, yep. Marte for Lazardo, I still think is going to be a cracking trade. I really, yeah, really do. Me too. Um, Duval for Jackson... Uh, I think uh, Bob Bamber from the UK Braves put it, I think it was a trade for a packet of crisps in the <laughs> UK parlance. Um, so uh, the, the Braves are obviously feeling um, like they've um, managed to do us over and get mm. out of their silly situation of releasing him in the first place. Um, but um, 
you know, there, there's got to be surely players brought in to sort out that outfield issue. Mate, it's it's a real head scratcher. There's there's two things I want to bring up here that's been bothering me the last couple of weeks. First of all, how the Marlins have ended up in this spot, I do not know. When I look back, Aguilar and Duvall are still the NL leaders in RBIs. Marte was the stolen base leader, an absolute stud. You've got two Rookie of the Year candidates, and you've got Sandy and Pablo, two aces. Miggy Rowe, a gold glove shortstop, effectively. How has it gone so wrong? This, like, this team was set up to, to be competitive this year, and the NL East has been an absolute shit show. And for somehow, even all of those things that went on, all of those success stories, all of those flashpoints, the Marlins are still like 25 games under 500. Like, it's an, it's an embarrassment, to be honest, of a season. It's a real embarrassment. But the thing then, so that, that's been bothering me, how they managed to get in this spot. And like we've talked about it all year, the, the reasons why, the injuries and loss of form and blah, blah, blah. The question I'm then thinking about is, okay, what, how are they going to improve to a level beyond that next year? This quickly, like, for me, I'm going to look at, you'd look at De La Cruz, Jesus Sanchez, maybe they sign another outfielder. Let's say they're your three starting outfielders. They're nowhere near the calibre of what we started with last year. Marte, Duval, and, and Dickerson, like, they aren't. And uh, I, that's the problem. Like, we're going to be a downgraded offence from already a, a troubled offence. Like, I just don't understand how we're going to make this leap offensively. The pitching's already there. However, the one thing that, that, that shouldn't go un, undiscussed is the bullpen. Because, listen, the bullpen, the leverage bullpen was an absolute shambles in the year. Like, I saw a stat earlier about Bass, and Bass being sensational in the seventh inning. Problem was, he was using the ninth and the eighth way too much. They blew so many games. This was the problem. This is the thing when you come to the Marlins, you look at it and you go, pitching was always great. Offense was was spotty, but everyone's offenses were spotty. Marlins' bullpen, though, the leverage situations were shocking. And for me... That's the area they need to address. The amount of blown games and blown saves was just way too much. Way too much. So that's my rant on it. I just, I'm struggling to see how the offense is better than last year or the current year. And it's still a way below average offense. Like I, the tools for me, I don't see the pieces in the system right now. To, to, I don't see a Marte. I don't see a Duval. I don't see that production personally. Um, and the bullpen remains unsolved and we're going to probably go cheap on it. So I'm not convinced this Marlins team is going to take the leap to 85 wins next year or whatever we need to be in. What about you, mate? I mean, pick the bones out of that one if you can. <laughs> well, from the, the bullpen point of view, it's always a, a, a strange subject because it can always go up and down. But mm. um, yeah, Bass was brought in as our closer and it didn't, it didn't work. And when they've tried to so then bring him in, uh, uh, especially when Garcia uh, Yimmy was uh, traded, they did try him again, and it clearly hasn't worked. And yeah, I know he's he's, he's got a monster ERA in, in the ninth inning. So you do put players in in their correct places. It is that that thing about you know getting a closer. Once you've got a closer, you try and mm -hmm. hang on to them. That same person who's the closer, you know, they're not all going to be our oldest Chapman, are they? So they, you know, you 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 do have to try and find um, 
uh, you know, the, the, it might happen somebody else the next year. You do have to experiment it a little bit. I think Dylan Floro has has the potential to be in that position, um, but has been sort of up and down. You know, that, that good performance against Cincinnati, and then we had the issues the other night, mm-hmm. um, and that is going to happen. But I think we have winged it a bit with the bullpen over the last couple of years and come yeah. up really, really well. But strange that you know some of the maybe we're just trading while they're hot but you know remember like James Hoyt I, I liked him a lot I think I he'd been great I, I still hark back to the the way I always like it when it's set up with players um, and uh, in in the past when he had that kind of uh, Baraklov Steckenrider Ziggler I like that or Romo um, guess what Steckenrider's getting saves for the Seattle Mariners at the moment. I've there you always, go. always, I thought he was a, a closer for the future, and it's a yeah. shame that he vanished out of the system through the injury he had. So it's a good point though, because last year when you look back, it was the three. You knew the three: seventh inning, Yimmy; eighth, Box; ninth, Kintz. It just that's how it worked. The guys they they played the roles, and Kinsler was the the best ish closer in in the league last year I mean it was a shortened season obviously but uh, and he, he's been totally blown up <laughs> in the fills of but, but would it I, I still maintain even though it went wrong for him in his release I think he has been picked up by another team but um uh, I, I still would have kept him you know our, our payroll wasn't high at all and and Boxberger's, I think, has been doing really well this season as well. So he's been great. He got blown up yesterday. I did see. Right. Um, you there know, uh, I, there was a few funny text messages from from the Brewers, uh, the Brewers fans saying, and actually the Phillies fans as well, because it was the Phillies Brewers and and Box was, I think he had five batters and didn't get an out, so it didn't go well that inning okay. for him. But he's got like a sub three ERA, like a two two point two ERA for yeah. that box. So. And they're and, and they're always going to have 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 bad days, but um, yeah. I I I just have kept it because I, I I really don't think the bullpen. A lot of the times you trade a player out of the bullpen, what you get back, and you look at it and you think, well, you know, the, in regards to you know what we've got for for Yimmy and you know it. it you're looking at uh, it's not a long-term solution it, and that, that's that's the kind of thing that it's not like the Marte trade where mm. you were looking for we've got something we could work on and that's he's going to go into our rotation and, and should be excellent I think a lot of the trades you get from um Simba trade etc you mm. know um you know it's useful to have players like panic and it's useful to have that but they're not the long-term solution so so why bother trading them in the first place you could have not got joe panic and what you could have ended up is bringing up brickman uh, i mean that there you go at this this kind of time in their careers and whatever i mean i i'm i was still i've looked back on that and dwelt on that simba dickerson move and I'm still kind of scratching my head about it because everyone was going, well, it was a big salary dump on Dickerson, but it wasn't. The Marlins retained a lot of the dough on it. And that's the thing that I was like, have we basically given Simba to the Blue Jays and they've taken Dickerson, although they Dickerson's playing now at the moment. So it's not like, you know, he was useless. It wasn't like the, the Panda situation with, with the Braves and the Indians where they, they took Panda and immediately released him. It wasn't that. They saw value in Dickerson. Um, and we retain most of the dough and then we get back Joe Panic and some dude 
you know, Magan Vale that's, you know, a system arm that we really we don't need. Like, I really didn't understand that move. I, I didn't understand why some of the bullpen guys weren't moved at the deadline either. Like, just in general, there's just so many unanswered questions this year. Like, there's been so many weird moves that the, the Twitter fans and the podcast fans have just really struggled to get their heads around. Like, not a lot of it is adding up. Like, there's stuff, I think, going on behind the scenes that, you know, clearly we don't know and whatever. But I don't know. There's just It's just been a weird year in terms of just the way it's all been managed. It just feels very mismanaged, um, to be honest, which is disappointing because the NL East, as I mentioned, it's just, it's just in turmoil. There's five bad teams. So there's no reason why the Marlins couldn't have won this division. They truly could have won this division this year if, you know, if things went their way. But hey-ho, we are where we are. Yeah, I, I think the only, only thing that I can say in the Marlins' defence is that when it was coming up to the trade deadline and when Duvall was, was traded and Marte was traded, we weren't that close. We it, Even with those players, we weren't close. Oh, no, so, we were done. We were cooked already, no doubt. So I, I, I kind of get it that you, you want to try and get as much value as you can out of those players. But it was really the Lozado trade and nothing else which really yeah. stands out. Um, you know, yeah, Jackson, uh, I'd be, it'd be great next year if he ends up being more powerful. He's obviously good behind the plate. Yeah, he's handy. He's handy. But this again, this comes back to the point of, you know, what what's the upgrade look like? You know, we've talked about this catching position for a few years, like, and the point that you were making, though, is, well, what are the options? Okay, who, who are you getting? We, we've traded, we've already traded the best guy away, and it's GT, JT Riamuto. Like, and that's the problem, I think, that maybe haunts the Marlins is we've, we were blessed because we had Riamuto under the radar, actually, for a few years where, like, people didn't really know about him, but we did because we watched the games. We were like, wow, this dude is, he's, he's the best catcher. Everyone was still waxing about, you know, everyone else. But, you know, we knew. Um, and we were blessed for years seeing Riamuto and, you know, really he's still the premier guy. Right. But, you know, he's, he's now getting, I don't know, what's he getting 25 million a year or whatever he's getting at the Phillies. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I agree with, with what you say. Um, it, uh, this off season for the Marlins, they've now got to try and gel together their brilliant farm system they've got. Mm. Uh, to a point where you can bring players up with no pressure and they can slot in knowing that they've got experienced help around you. If you yeah. are someone like, you know, your Monte Harrison's, Brian Miller, you know, Corey Bird, whoever, um, and you've got next to you Marte and Duval, then it makes it quite easy. The pressure is a bit more off you. That's where De, De La Cruz has been so impressive because he's come in and took his opportunity because there's no one else about. And Brinson did the, the same. Mm. Um, Mags is clearly at his, at his top level. I, I really do. I do like Mags, but we've said this year, year and year, he's, he's, not, he's not the solution. So it makes it easier. They, they, this off-season is going to be, they're going to have to spend some money, and which is going to be, again, a bit of an emotive subject because... No matter what you say, the crowds are still poor. Yeah. Um, and it's making the Marlins at the moment a viable economic prospect. Um, they're not the only team struggling with attendance. 
um with covid etc but uh, mm. you know i've always said this you know the grounds in the wrong place the, the marlins park or sorry the lone depot park is in the wrong place um yeah. and um so that's a, a, a another sort of uh issue for the long run so are they they've got to they've got to get some contracts together they've got to get some of these players like sandy Pablo, etc., onto contracts because eventually time will run out, and you don't want to lose these guys. Um, and this is what I'm thinking, though, Rob. Like this, this is the really interesting point now. Where I look at our system, the farm looks great, right? But it, it's a few years away. Like it's not next year. For hey, we've got these dudes ready to rock and roll. Like we're still, I think, two years of the farm, the sexy names coming into their own. The problem is, in two years, well, Miggy may be gone, Aguilar's gone, um, Sandy needs to be paid even more, so he's probably gone. Pablo may be in a similar spot. Like all of a sudden, you're taking a massive step back with those guys that are there producing now. It's like the core is there, the core is absolutely there, but it needs to be supplemented quickly. But I'm just not sure where they. They're not going to spend the money, so it's going to go via trade. But who are the difference makers via trade that you can get? Like, that's the question for me. That is the true question. That's why I put out there, like, is Soto attainable? Like, is one Soto attainable from the Nats? I'm, you know, most people go in, well, you're absolutely insane. Why, why would Soto be available? But I, I don't, I, I honestly believe that the Nats you know, Nat, hearing Nats fans talk about it, they go, well, we think we're maybe a year away now. We've got these dudes come in, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's absolutely dog shit. They're not a year away. These prospects, like prospects are way overhyped. And listen, the gap is so big these days. That's the problem. So the Nats aren't a year away and they may never be back in contention for years. And so maybe they have to move Soto in a year and a half. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, Soto for me, he is an elite piece on a rebuilding team. And that's the point I'm making is, is that dude attainable in that situation? Maybe not. I mean, I'm talking rubbish, but the point I'm making is you're looking for elite dudes on, on rebuilding teams like the Marlins were rebuilding with elite dudes and we had to sell and we did sell. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think Soto is the, the centerpiece that the, that the nationals are, mm. are building. It, you know, we 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 hype up JJ Blade. Yeah, Blade, I think he's older than Soto. <laughs> <laughs> I think he is. Yeah. Soto's immense. I mean, no, I mean, no doubt about it. So that he is. The, he's one of those kind of rare players that comes in. We've got one of those in Jazz, and um, and you want to build around him as well. And you do. It, it helps that Jazz does have Miggy with him. And I I I, I don't think we're a million miles away. I think the problem has been this year. We've lost too many games by small margins, which has been, you know, a really, really damaging thing. Mm. And when we really, really needed it, we've not had the form with the bats. And that, they're, they're the two things overall that, that have to be addressed. Unfortunately, the ideal player in all of this is Starling Marte, mm. and he's going to be just immensely expensive next year. Um, and it's not just going to be, Oakland, who don't spend any money anyway, yeah. um, trying to get him. There'll be some big teams, and we've already seen the Dodgers don't care about the 
the luxury tax bracket at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither really will the Red Sox. Um, you know, the, the Yankees don't. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I, it's gone. those names you mentioned there, mate, I think all of them are legitimate landing spots for Starling Marte. And so that means for the Marlins, game's up. Carlos Correa, best of free, free agent available, but he's going to look for 350 million this, this year. So, you know, it ain't happening, right? So, well, the Dodgers, Dodgers are, are uh, you know, they, they, they've done everything they could because the Giants have caught them by surprise, haven't they? Mm. Um, and uh, with the Padres, you know, obviously it's been a bit of a disappointing second half of the season with the Padres, but they're not far off them. The Dodgers are going to be really careful yeah. that, so they they could end up next year being the third team. And so they're going to spend, spend, spend. And the same thing has happened with the Red Sox and the Yankees who are just you know, blindsided for the last couple of years by, by the Rays. And yeah. Toronto aren't far behind. So, you know, again, they're just going to spend, spend, spend because they can. It's about finding that... It, it, Marte was a bit of a gem found. Duval was um, a fortunate find because the Braves were, were just silly. They just, I don't know what they yeah. were thinking at the end of that. Season. That was mismanagement from them. They, because they, they non-tendered him. I think Duval, like they, they, he was in up and they could have yeah. tendered him and they did decided to non-tender Duval. So that was actually a Braves faux pas, actually. So I, I was surprised, yeah. uh, surprised at the Braves because they know full well uh, what's happened in the last two post, you know, series is that, as soon as they get some decent competition, they just then they're not up to it, and um, I and I think the the Nationals' victory uh, a couple of years ago took mm. everybody's by surprise because it was just a, a team on a roll, yeah. and the opposition that year really wasn't very good all the way around. The, you know the, yeah. the the Astros starting to fall over, and the Dodgers not having a great season, and uh, like they they should have had at that point. Um, so there, there was a bit of fortune in that. But um, again, I can't see the Braves doing much. Uh, it, again, they could have helped themselves by if they'd had Duval on, on the team at the start of the season. I think the division looked a bit different. But I, I think it's a, a difficult thing to say that, that the Marlins should have won this division because we were clearly, with the players that we had, with Marte, with Duval, we still weren't anywhere near it. It's a bit like the whole situation with you know, when we used to have like Stanton and Yelich and Ozuna, we'd, we'd never be close. But it yeah. is, it's clearly, um, it doesn't matter you have those two guys. If you then have following up the lineup, you know, Isan Diaz, um, you know, Brinson, Brinson, Alfaro, Alfaro, um, it, and then your bolt, and then your closer is, is Anthony Bass that's then removed after two weeks. I mean, it's amazing for me, Anthony Bass. He's we're into September now. He was signed as the closer. He's got two wins this year, which is great, but no saves, no saves all year. You know, even normally, you normally pick up one or two, even like as a fringe dude, like as a backup closer, because well, you know, Yimmy's down, so Bass next man up. You know, he's two and seven, no saves. It's it's shocking, but it's all about knowing your role and. Clearly for me, Bass, he's a good sixth, seventh inning dude. Pitches well in those spots, you know, gets to the eighth and ninth. Um, games on the line, it, it hasn't worked for him. Is it luck? Is it is it something else? I, I tend to believe it's probably something else. And actually, he just doesn't quite have the bottle for that, that spot. Because um, every other inning, it's just another inning, right? Until the ninth. And then that's a different inning. And the there's still people can do it. 
the ninth is always a difficult inning because um, it's not just the pressure. It's that the, the bats act differently. They've got nothing to lose. So they'll be more aggressive. It's almost like facing the first inning. You see come out and normally first inning, the the first three, four are always aggressive because they can be. They 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 want to get on top of the 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 starting pitcher straight away because they want to take him out of the game and just mess the other team up. When it comes to the last inning, you you just go for it. What you got to lose? And um, and that's the problem. And if you throw a pitch which is in the zone, they're gonna swing at it and it's gonna go. This is where the 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 odd oddly where it's worked very well for us in the in the past. We really haven't had any proper closing option for ages. But no. when we've had when and Ziggler had his issues, but his strange submariner action and pace worked. Romo just the experience and everything that kind of worked. And so you don't need a flamethrower out there. Yeah, Yimmy was you know through hard. Um, but you don't. You just need somebody who is got a good range of pitches and intelligent of knowing exactly who you got in front of you to do that. And I think that's where the limitation has been with 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 Bass. Yeah. Um, it, I, he reminds me in some ways of Adam Connolly, um, mm. and so in, in that kind of regard. So you know, if he works at, in number seven, great. Well, that's your first building block. Then, yeah. then who do, who do you want in uh, in the eighth inning or or whatever you know put Floro in and then get somebody else in the there you go. that night. Floro looks fine in the eighth. You know this is the point. Bass looks nice. You know the numbers have said he's pitched over twenty innings in the seventh and is a sub one ERA. That says to me that's probably the role you should use Bass in. Great, plug him in. Floro he was always in the eighth and he pitched well all year. Great, Floro the eighth. Who's closing? The question the Marlins have got to answer this offseason, and this is why it's so interesting. There's so much pitching, right? At the moment, we've had to put Zach Thompson into the longman role because there's no spot for him because Trevor's back. Great Trevor's back, but you Pablo's not around either. So at some point, either guys have to be traded for upgrades or they have to transition to the pen. Um, you know, is Eliezer a closer? Is Lozado a closer? Is, you know... Can those dudes take it on or not? I don't know, but probably their value is more so, you know, as a starter being traded elsewhere, you would assume. But, you know, it's an interesting time. You've got so many arms and no closer. Yeah, Can you find a guy that can transition and do it? We tried it with the Rainier, didn't work. So, you know, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know, but... Um, it depends. There, there are other options in there that we've had. You know, it doesn't have to be your standard. That's what I was kind of saying, like with, with Richard Blyer. His mm. walks per nine is 0.73, uh, which is immensely low. Just take as another average, Anthony Bender is 2.79, Bass 3.78, uh, Yimmy was 3.22. Um, you know, it, you don't, that's the danger, isn't it? In the, when you've got, a run or two to play with is you walk somebody because you just got a man on, you know, the tying run to the plate, haven't you? So yeah. it's um, try him as an option because he doesn't walk anyone. Um, I mean, it makes yeah. sense. It, it it does. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what they do with the rotation. Do they trade out of the rotation? Because to be honest, mate, we've got seven guys, I would say, maybe even more that are kind of like, major league ready and we've already seen this year actually you can't just have five 
you you can't have just five because two will be down. Um, I want to say seven. I'm probably doing a disservice. Maybe there's probably eight. There's probably nine. Um, for me, I've I think I've kind of ruled out like I, I'm not sure Nick Nider is a is a rotation piece. Um, to be honest, in you know at this kind of level, I don't think he is. I'm not sure Braxton Garrett has the velocity um, and the control to go with the lack of velocity to be a piece. And so in, I'm really intrigued with these guys, but you know, what do they do with the rotation uh, moving forwards? How do they fix the back end? Because the back end was too bad earlier in the year. Like it really let us down and the offense, how do they retool it quickly? Catcher, there's a problem. The whole outfield needs addressing third base question marks like Brian Anderson. The reality is BA can play the outfield too. We shouldn't forget that. Um, so if we do need an outfield and all of a sudden a third baseman is available via trade, like you go, hey, well, maybe you go and get Jose Ramirez from the Indians and go, well, we'll plug him in a third base. We'll put BA in, in right field. Okay, well, that works. BA's elite out there. J-Ram plugs in the lineup, good bat. Yeah, you could see that. Um, I know we're talking about this Brandon Marsh dude from the Angels. Listen, I've watched a bit of the Angels. I've seen what he's doing. He's not doing anything. The only team he's hit against is the Orioles. And this is the problem. You're effectively trading away. They're going to ask for, you know, Max Meyer, Jake Eder, and something else. And they, you're going to give Brandon Marsh. He's a prospect. It's Jesus Sanchez, but with long hair. You know, that's, that's what you're getting. So I understand from the Marlins side, they want young, controllable guys. That's the MO, right? They don't have to pay them anything because they haven't got any money. But it's a lottery. Basically, trading for, for Brandon Marsh is an absolute lottery, um, whether he'll ever hit. I'd, I'm, I, who knows? We'll wait and see. But for me, he's basically Jesus Sanchez. And how do we get Jesus Sanchez? Well, who do we give for Jesus? Romo? Uh, yes, it was, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Was. Like, yeah. you can. this is the point. They're asking for a Jesus Sanchez-type dude. I mean, I, I, I'm probably being unfair, but you know the point I'm making. They're asking for a an MLB ready prospect. We got that for, for, we got Jesus for a rental Romo and they're asking for Max Meyer, Jake Eder and something else. So to me, the price tag doesn't quite match up. That's the, that's the point I'm making. Yeah, that was, uh, uh, that was just uh, looking back on that was they, they got Sanchez and Stanek for Trevor Richards and Nick Anderson. That's that oh, it was, okay. It was the raised yeah. one, right? Right. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, so that, that obviously, well, for the Romo was Lewin Diaz. Sorry, wasn't it? That was it. That's it. Yeah. So okay. Nick Anderson obviously did amazing before he became injured, and, and Trevor Richards has, has vanished off somewhere else. I think. Um, and, you know, I think that was a it's still a good trade. I, I think from from the Marlins side, like Nick Anderson was, you know. He was effectively a rookie, wasn't he? I think really in that season, he was half a year, basically what Anthony Bender was. And so, you know, that's the point, like relievers are so up and down. I know he had a good year with the Rays last year, um, fell apart a bit in the, the the playoffs, but that is what it is. And then he's been out all year. So anyway, um, you know, it's just, it's so hard to retool with these controllable dudes, like how, why the teams just aren't trading those dudes unless you're giving away way too much. That's the point. It's so hard. You got to spend some money or you got to trade some and get some vet dudes in. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit just to see the path right now, but I know the pieces will come together. I think, you know, the pirates, the talk of the pirates, this Jacob Stallings and, 
uh, Reynolds combo of catcher center fielder has been talked about. Um, you know, the pirates are still in, you know, they're in rebuild mode with good pieces. You know, they're an obvious candidate to sell. So I, I, I can see that, but you know, it's tough. It's, it's tough to see what the plan is right now. Yeah. Um, I think just, just to close off on the whole sort of saves saves issue which we've talked <laughs> about. And we've just said yeah. that, you know, Sanchez trade was good. You, you, Nick Anderson's on a high. You've mm. traded him away and you've got, I know Stanek didn't work out and then he's worked out for Houston. Yeah. But it's interesting when you go down and look at the minor leagues, there's no one there uh, getting many saves. The top for, uh, for the jumbo shrimp is um, Andrew Bellatti or Tommy Ebelt, who's been mm. injured on and off and hasn't played that much. Um, so, you know, there, there's Guzman's picked up a couple, Okut's picked up a couple. There's there's an, an option, but, you know, even Brett Eibner, who we, who we had in and out of last year, has picked up a couple. It's, it, it's Rob Zastrini, the, the, the Orioles guy who we, we've had floating around. There's loads of players who just picked up the odd save, including Zach Thompson, who's picked up one. So there we go. Who knows? It's not until you actually get to the Blue Wahoos at Pensacola where Colton Hock has been really their proper closer. I think that's the, that's the, the next proper, you know, saves yeah. guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you are at double A. He's got 17 saves uh, so far. He's been their kind of sort of uh, uh, main guy, sort of, pitching number at, at, at ninth and he's done quite well with it as well with a low era of 2.45 but it's a big step up but there's yeah. an option maybe it'd be nice to see him in spring training and doing a bit of closing and seeing how he gets on it with would. touchdown tommy you know uh, there's there's two guys bring them up you know touchdown tommy's gonna have to come up or go at some point so bring him up i, I think they need to protect him in the rule five this year if i recall right. the touchdown yes. so yeah. Um, cool. Well, listen, let's finish it up just with, you know, the, the lineup has just been released for tonight and it's an interesting one, mate. I'm, I'm not going to lie. So I'll just get your live reaction to this one. Um, Eddie Alvarez has, has been uh, selected. So he's back up, um, Eddie Alvarez, and he starts tonight. He starts a second base. Jazz goes to short. Miggy Rowe not playing. So Miggy Rowe is not in the lineup. Um, not sure how serious this injury was that he obviously came out of the game on Sunday. Um, wait to see on that for Miggy. He hasn't reached his 500 plate appearances for the vesting option, so hope it's not serious. Um, the other news um, that I think is interesting, uh, Georgie Alfaro is catching, um, so that is what it is. Um, the other news, though, Joe Panic is also starting again at first base. So Aguilar, that'll be three days off in a row for Aguilar. Didn't play Sunday, day off yesterday, and we're Tuesday, and Joe Panic is starting again at first base. For me, we've gone full circle with this podcast, mate, in this conversation. Where is Lewin Diaz? If this is the situation, um, what is going on? Like, that is the question I started with, and it remains the question that, um, that I think we have to leave on. Like, why is Joe Panic starting two games in a row at first base in September? I am absolutely gobsmacked um, that that is happening. Um, Brian De La Cruz is in the two-hole, by the way, playing center field. Um, so boy, oh boy, this is a lineup. I mean, he sent Diaz starting a third, as we know, Brian Anderson um, on the IL. But in general, mate, I'm not sure what to make of this Marlins lineup today. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. Just having a look down uh, the list. Are you looking at the right list? <laughs> I've just got I've got down on mine. I've I, I don't know if this has been updated. I've got Jazz, Jesus, 
uh, uh, Jesus Aguilar, Sanchez, Brinson, De La Cruz, Panic, Alfaro, Isan Diaz and Edward Cabrera, which is Isan playing at third base, Panic at second and Aguilar at first with Jazz at shortstop. Okay, hold on then. Well, <laughs> we've got two different lineups. Let me have a look here, mate. I mean, I may have gone off on a tangent. I, I just had an email through with the Marlins lineup. So let's see. Maybe maybe Aguilar's been scratched or something's gone on with him. Um, uh, I'm trying to find a lineup elsewhere. Someone, oh, here you go. Uh, yeah, so Ethan Ethan Badowski put out earlier, yeah, Aguilar was at first. And the Marlins have just emailed six minutes ago with the game information saying, yeah, panics at first base. Okay. Adam fifth. Isan is at third. Eddie Cabrera, uh, Eddie Alvarez, sorry, is second and Jazz at short. So I don't That's know, maybe, maybe they, they've had to mess around with it. It looks like there's been some changes. I've I've, I've just double checked with uh, with with Jordan McPherson's tweet from an hour ago. So it looks like things are going on, but they I think uh, to to answer your question <laughs> is that uh, uh, in regards to again, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But there's clearly a lot of players having to be moved around. I don't know. You, should, you just don't know if there's any COVID issues. You don't know kind of what's going on. That with um, it's a shame with um, the neck. Um, issue that Miggy picked up, uh, but again, they're going to take it easy with them. They've got nothing to lose. Yeah, uh, Eddie, Eddie Alvarez is fantastic if he, if he is playing uh, because he's had a good season for Jacksonville. He earned his place in the USA Olympic team. Um, he got his silver medal, his second silver medal. What a story that was! Oh, crazy! To have somebody who wins a medal in two completely different disciplines, one in the winter games, one in the summer games. Uh, you know, that's incredible to have an athlete like him and obviously someone with such a, a good head on his shoulders. Um, uh, you know, great. And he's had a good season, by the way. I've, uh, every game I've seen him play for Jacksonville, he's looked composed. He's got a 2.88 average. Um, he's hit a few RBIs here and there. Yes, he's not prolific in regards to the home runs and the powers and, and getting on extra bases. Um, but even so, um, you know, low strikeout rate, picks up quite a few walks. Someone who has got a, an, a, an OPS of 865, even though he's only like got five second bases and four home runs. So, you know, yeah. that, this, is, this is a guy you're going to see on base quite a bit. And that's what we kind of needed a little bit. So, Brilliant. I'm glad that that some, they are bringing up somebody who, who can get a chance. And um, he deserves to, uh, after his Olympic heroics, um, to be in the team. But the rest of it does seem to be a little bit liquid in regard to where people are playing. Uh, at, you know, uh, Jesus Aguilar's form has dipped off a touch as well. Yeah. Um, so, so you could argue that maybe a rest is, is, is good and to get him fired up into the rest of the season. But um yeah, I, I think by the time we next do a podcast or you next do the next Fish Across the Pond podcast, I think we might see this lineup change around quite a bit. I think you might be right. And to be fair, I've no idea what lineup is going here because as you've been talking, no one else is reporting this this lineup that the Marlins comms guys have tweeted out or, or emailed out. So I don't know. No idea what's going on, but you're right. We'll wait and see how the, the next few weeks... By the way, 
the, the conversation isn't really about what was sitting in the lineup. It's who's pitching, isn't it? That's that's the thing. And it's Eddie Cabrera, and that and it's absolutely we need to see him again and again and again as this season goes through. I like what um, they did with Eddie, though. Like the way that they, you know, they brought him up effectively a week in advance of when we expected him. Like, and it was like it just caught everyone off guard. We'd been hammered that week. I think we were back to back swept, if I recall, Braves and Reds, or vice versa. Marlins Twitter was in chaos. I tapped out. Everyone had tapped out. And then the Marlins went bollocks to it. Eddie Cabrera's coming up. And I was like, whoa, great. We've got something to watch. But this is the bizarre thing, even with our rotation. We've had these times where we've had about three in the rotation. And that's where you've needed these guys to... to, to, And it's really good. And I think with Cabrera, we know if he didn't have that injury at the start of the season, he'd been in well beforehand. He was still been on a controlled innings limit. As the same thing with Trevor Rogers as well, and it's, it's unfortunate about the, the time he's had on, on on bereavement. But he, you know, he would have been on a controlled limit anyway. So there'd been a yeah. time somewhere in the season where he would have dropped out, maybe in September. So you know, uh, it, it's it's good to have him up. And clearly, in a very small sample size, he looks like he can handle himself up here, which is good. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, he goes tonight against uh, Cookie Carrasco. It's uh, it's the Mets again after sweeping us in a four game series. Um, they are they are here, and then we are off to Atlanta to finish the week off. So, a lot of in in division games to to round up September, which is is how it should be. Um, we're going to play spoiler to a few of these teams, um, or maybe just roll over. But you know, we always play the Phillies tough. The Braves always play us tough, and the Mets. Well. Anything can happen with the Mets, no doubt about it. So intrigued to see the way this NL East shakes out. Um, the Braves, for me, are still favourites, but the Philly schedule is soft. Um, but in my opinion, so are the Phillies. And so that's the problem with those boys. We'll wait and see. Um, Rob, I think we uh, we said we would go half an hour. We've gone an hour, which is bog standard for me and you. So um, you know, there we go. There was a lot of topics, um, a few rants. Um, but you know that's fish across the pond for you in in september so you know we love it um appreciate the time rob um we will be back uh we'll be back in some form um hopefully a few more few more goats back in the mix next week but um in the meantime rob newell as always thanks uh thanks for your time efforts and, and insight so listeners stay safe and uh go fish and we'll be back soon thanks guys